Amen. I want to direct your attention to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. I'm grateful for Maggie for singing that song. The message of that song ties in with the emphasis on service. The service we give is an act of worship to our Lord. When we think of the forgiveness, the grace, the power, the hope that he supplies every hour of every day, service given to him is the very least that we could do. So I hope we have that attitude that our lives, our lives are the box that needs to be opened so that we can indeed anoint the feet of Jesus with the acts that we do in his name. The theme of service is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. This chapter contains one of, if not the best known instance out of the life of King David. It's so well known even those who do not hold to our faith still know what a Goliath represents. A Goliath being that challenge that appears to be insurmountable and undefeatable. In chapter 17, the armies of the Philistines and the armies of Israel have drawn up. They are located on opposite mountains from one another with the valley of Elah in between. And they are to stand off. So as wars were often raged at that time, each side was to select a champion, a warrior, who would fight on behalf of the army. The warrior of the Philistines was a battle-hardened veteran. He had fought in battles like this since he was a young man. The text shows the picture that now Goliath is old, but he is still intimidating standing over nine feet tall. The weapons he carried would weigh approximately 300 pounds. This was no lightweight. This was a man who had seen, fought, and defeated more warriors than you and I could imagine. And the champion of the Israelites was exactly no one. No one was willing to step up and fight Goliath. And so for 40 days, they stood facing each other. And for 40 days, this, this behemoth of a man would stand in front of the army of Israel and he would mock them. He would mark, mock the army, he would mock King Saul, and he would mock the Israelites' God. And for 40 days, no one, no one answered him. David was a very young man. He wasn't fighting in the army, so he had to be under the age of 20. We know this because in the book of Deuteronomy, it tells that at the age of 20, that was the age in which a, a man could fight in the Israeli army. So David is 17, maybe 18 years old. And he's been taking care of his dad's sheep. 
And another one of his duties was to simply ferry supplies to his brothers who were in the army. So David shows up. And how long he had been doing this, we don't know. Until one day he shows up at the exact time that Goliath is laying down his smack talk. And David's looking around. Who's going to stop this? Somebody's got to go out there and put an end to this. And so David begins talking about that he would be glad to do that. He will do that. And so word gets back to Saul. If you look starting at verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And so he, Saul, sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with his, this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go in against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go! And the Lord be with you. What an amazing scene. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you'll give us feet like David. That will run to the battle. Give us a heart full of faith. Full of unconquerable faith in who you are. So that when the challenge arises, we are ready to go. Grant this, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The words of David are audacious. Idealistic. You can see why people responded to him the way they did. Because who is this? He's a shepherd. He's not a professional soldier. He's never fought. He's not been to military college. He's not been through basic training. And here is this kid saying, I'll fight Goliath. That's why we're not surprised when the, the naysayers begin. When the voices begin to arise against David saying, you can't do this. The first is his brother Eliab. We didn't read the passage, but in verses 28 through 30, basically Eliab says, David, you're evil. You're presumptuous. David, you've come down to watch the show. You've come down to watch the fight. And now you're simply agging it on when all these men are terrified of fighting Goliath. Who are you, David, to do this? It's interesting how David responds. Look at verse 30. And he turned away from him toward another. Okay, Eliab, big brother, you don't want to hear what i got to say. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm just going to walk away. But I'm going to keep on believing and talking. 
And if that wasn't enough, when David is brought in front of Saul, Saul doesn't encourage him. You can read Saul's words in verses, verse 33, where he says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You're 17, David. You're 18. Goliath is old and he's been fighting since he was 17. And by the way, David, have you seen him? You are a BB getting ready to fight a cannonball. Do you know what you're getting into? The words of Saul are logical. They make sense. According to the eye test, there is no way that David should even be on the same battlefield with Goliath. And then there's the words of Goliath himself. When David does walk out to fight him, Goliath looks at him and verse 42 says he disdained him. In other words, Goliath looked at David with disgust. Like, is this all you've got? Goliath took it as an insult. I'm this hardened warrior and you send a kid out here with no armor, no sword, no bow, no shield. That's why he looks at David and he says... Am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? And then Goliath looks at David and he says, come and fight me. I'll leave your dead carcass for the birds to eat. Birds have to eat too. Now I want you to understand what's happening. David is stepping out in faith to serve. And on three different levels he is met with messages that would cause him to shrink back in fear and not step out in faith. When you and I commit to serve... When you and I say, Lord, here am I, I'm ready to rise to the challenge, you can count on it that the enemy will speak against you and the enemy will begin to give you excuses and reasons why you should not serve. He will play on your fears and he will prey upon your lack of faith. He will begin to whisper to you these things. You wouldn't know how to do that. Who are you to serve in that capacity? Somebody else would be better at it. Somebody else needs to serve. You see, and the evil one will even spiritualize it. When you are ready to run like David into the battle, the evil one will come against you like this. Why would you rob someone else of a blessing? You've served a long time. Let them serve and be blessed. You don't want to be selfish. And then he'll say to you, this is a big church. Somebody else will step up. Somebody else will serve. There's somebody else that has got to and understand that all of those excuses come from the enemy. Because he knows that if you step out in faith, God will be glorified. He knows that a church that is serious about serving is modeling Jesus. And Satan does not want you and I to do anything like Jesus would do. So if he can cause me and you to shrink back and let, uh, not serve, to shrink back and say somebody else will do it he has won the victory because he knows that if you and I step out in faith to serve he has failed and so when the call comes when the challenge arises when the need is presented you and I need to respond with confidence in God because God has prepared you to serve he has readied you for this moment. God has prepared you to serve Him now by the work He has done in your life in the past. Notice where David goes in verses 34 through 36. 
when David is told that he can't fight Goliath, when he is told that he is not able, he's not equipped, he doesn't have the experience, David remembers his own past. He begins to remember that when he was a shepherd, when he's watching over his daddy's flock, a lion came up. And a lion grabbed one of the sheep. And David chased after the lion. Now think about that for a moment. If I'm a shepherd and a lion grabs one of my sheep, I'm going to say, we still got 99, we're good. Not David. David goes after the lion. And then he goes on to say that when he got near the lion, the lion rose up, he said, and I grabbed him by his beard. In other words, David grabbed the lion by the mane in a headlock and killed it. And if that wasn't enough, he said, then a bear came. A bear came and grabbed one of the lambs. And I went after the bear. So David begins recounting all these things God had done. And he draws this conclusion. If I can fight the lion and win, and if I can fight a bear and win, who is Goliath that I would be afraid to fight him? When he was faced with this challenge, he had this confidence that God was at work in his life and had used his efforts in the past to bring glory to his name in the present. None of your past is to be wasted. God has worked in your life to bring you to this moment, this day in September of 2019. All of your successes and failures are to be used for His glory. All your victories and defeats are to be used for His glory. There is nothing wasted for the child of God because we see the redemptive hand of God at work in everything in our lives so that we know God has worked to bring you to this point so you are ready to serve in whatever the capacity needed. Think about everything that has had to happen over the last hundred years to bring you to this point. At some point in the past, your great-great-grandfather met your great-great-grandmother and they fell in love. And they got married and they had a baby. And they had your great-great-grandfather. And your great-great-grandfather met a lady. He fell in love with that lady, married that lady, and she became your great-great-grandmother. And she had a child. She became, that child became your great-grandfather. He met someone, fell in love, married your great-grandmother, had a baby. Now think about all the DNA that had to come together, all the genes that had to be knit together in your great-grandmother's room to create your grandparent. Your grandfather then met someone and fell in love. They married. They had a baby. And guess what? God knit within that womb your father. Your father was born. Fell in love with your mother. They married. And they had a baby. Yes, we don't like to think about that, but it happened. They had a child. And you are here. You are here. God made you with a plan that started thousands of years ago to bring you to this point. You are not an accident or coincidence. You have been made by the hand of Almighty God. He has made you who you are. And He has worked in your life in the past and in the present to bring you to the point of service just like he did David so there's no reason for us to sit back and say I can't has God failed in some way in making you who you are God has worked in the past just like he worked in David's life and because David knew the work of God in the past he was able to say I am prepared to serve God now in the present because of the power of God 
Now understand, David knew he didn't beat up that lion on his own. He didn't fight that bear on his own. He gives glory to God and says, notice in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. David gives glory to God. David doesn't say, well, you know what? When I went to shepherding school one-on-one, we had a class on line fighting. I had a one-armed teacher on line fighting. He was great. He said, God did it. God was at work. And David knows that the same God who is at work is at work now. He does not limit God's work to the past. Because look at the parallel, verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Now, skip over, if you will, to verse 46. David is talking to Goliath. Look what he says. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Same idea. Verse 37. The Lord delivered me today. The Lord will deliver you. It is God who is at work. So David looks at the past to gain hope and power and reminding himself that God is at work in the present. That is what faith is. Faith is not looking back at the sweet by and by. Faith looks at the past to gain strength in the present to say, because of who God is and what He has done in the past, I can and will live for Him now. That's the whole point of the Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith. He goes through this list. The preacher lists out these men and women of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, Rahab, and David, Barak, Samson, and the others. He says they were people of faith. And then he concludes in chapter 12 by saying, Therefore, let us run with endurance and lay aside every weight and sin that entangles because of what God has done in the past. Trust Him now in the present. Don't just keep looking at the past, but look forward. That's what faith is. Faith is a real-life engagement with the challenges we face today with a confident trust that God is at work now. And what He has done in the past, He can and will do now. And that it is His power we rely on. It's not our own works. So if you are stretched and you say, Lord, I'm going to serve, but I don't know about this. I'm uncomfortable, but I want to serve. Lord, supply the power that I need. It is His power at work. You see, a car can have a big engine, but if you take away the battery and the alternator, it won't run. A house can be wired with the latest technology, but if the power line is cut, then it knows, does no good. With all the methodologies we have, without the power of God, they will accomplish nothing. So we serve knowing our dependency upon God. I think of the words of the old hymn where it asks, Would you be free from your burden of sin? There is power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil, the victory win? There is wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. The God that has worked in the past has prepared us to serve now. And the power to serve now enables us to move forward with hope. You see, God has prepared us in the past. He gives power in the present. And He promises a future that should embolden us to serve. David is young and idealistic. Lord, give us an idealistic spirit. Give us this vision that sees beyond the challenge that says, no, this is what God can do for His glory. We need to return to a sense of idealism for the kingdom that says, I see more than what is before me. 
Goliath was mocking that vision of God's glory. But David knew that God had the power to save. So David acts with the belief that God will glorify his name. And because of that belief, he goes into the fight. We need an idealism that says, you know what? Whatever the challenge is, it's an opportunity for God to be glorified. I was talking with my oldest daughter, Sue Ellen, and we were reminiscing about the days of playing basketball. And she said, Dad, one of my pet peeves was always this. She said, I hated it when we were getting ready to play a game. And right before we were, when we were getting ready in the locker room, before we went out on the court, my teammates would start saying, oh, we're going to get killed. Why are we even here? She said, Daddy, that would make me so mad. I'd want to say, well, just stay in the locker room. I'm going out to play because I think we've got a chance. We may get killed, I don't know, but I'm going to play. I agree with her. To have an attitude that says, you know what, we're going to go. And we're going to trust. And we are going to believe in God. Do we see a future where God is honored? Do we dream a dream where children are taught the Bible and learn to love the gospel? Do we dream of a place where people feel and experience the love of God? Do we have a vision of everyone doing their part to make the church strong in service? If we do, we will run into the battle because we know that God is on our side. Because He's on our side, we can say, whom shall I fear? If God is for us, who is against us? If God is God, then why should we be afraid to risk, to step out, to serve, even when it stretches us? I love the story that John Ortberg tells. John Ortberg is an author and a pastor. He pastored in Newport, uh, California. You know, somebody's got to, and he was called there. He said one day he and two of the elders from the church are walking down the street. And he said it was like something from a, a movie. He said literally... A bar fight spilled out into the street. He said, we're walking through there and bodies start falling out this door and they are just fighting one another. He said, there's this one guy, he's on the ground and some, some dude is just wailing away on his head. And he said, so the three of us go up there in our ministerial voices and say, stop that. Quit that. Leave him alone. He said, the guy keeps hitting, but something weird happened. He said, as they are imploring him to stop the fight, the, the, the guy beating up this other man stops and looks up at them and stops swinging. Ortberg said, it was like, I felt like Moses at the Red Sea. What just happened? He said, then I realized that that guy was looking behind us. So he said, we turned and he said, I saw a mountain with legs. It was the biggest human being I'd ever seen in my life. He had to be 6'8", at least 280 pounds of chiseled muscle. His t-shirt rippled like waves because of the muscles. And said this guy was standing in the doorway with his arms like this looking at him. He said, we called him Bubba. He said, when I saw Bubba was behind us, I stepped forward and I said, that's right, quit that. Get off of him. You all know better than that. I don't want to see you out here fighting again. He said, I had Bubba behind me. Then Ortberg asked, what difference would it make if you went through life with Bubba behind you? That guy honking at you, not, doesn't bother me. i got Bubba in the back seat. Well, Bubba's in the front seat. That person who's irritable with me, doesn't matter. i got Bubba with me. There would be a confidence that we might have. We have the all.
almighty God who has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you. Even to the end of the age, I am with you. So what do we have to be afraid of? We need to take to heart the psalm that says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. A confidence that moves forward. Trusting. Trusting God. Emma and I would write letters back and forth. When she started at Bryan College in the fall of 2016, we would write about every week. She enjoys writing letters. And it was at the time of the presidential election. And I remember I wrote her and I said, I just don't know what to make of all this, Em. I'm a little bit scared for the future. She wrote back, and I treasure, treasure this letter. Because she said, Daddy, we don't have to be afraid of the future as long as we know the one that makes the future. I thought about that. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. For if God is calling you to serve, and He is, He's prepared you for it. Trust Him. See, throughout all of this, David sees himself as a servant. Eliab interprets his confidence, David's confidence as arrogance, but it's not. David has such a passion for the glory of God, he is confident in God. David was a servant. He was serving his father by taking care of the sheep. He served his brothers by taking them food. He served Saul by being willing to fight. But most of all, David was a servant of God who, when he saw the challenge, said, Here I am. Let's go. Church, God has prepared us to serve. He's brought you to this point to serve. Now, let's rise up and go to the battlefield. Bow with me in prayer. Father, I thank you that you're at work in all things. Whether it be our victories or our defeats, whether it be our, our failures or our successes, Lord, they are part of the tapestry of our lives in which you are at work. And Lord, I thank you that your work will not be stopped. Now, Father, as with any congregation, there are indeed challenges that we face. Challenges of serving, challenges of giving, challenges of being available. So, Father, I pray that you would stir within us the confidence of David confidence in your name to know you've not brought us this far to leave us so help us to step out in the name of Jesus I pray amen